0: Dave, you'll never believe what my kids think. This came out at uh, at dinner uh, a few nights ago. We're sitting out on the back porch and my kids go, you know, we were talking and uh, we've decided we're, we're placing bets. And I said, well, well, what are you placing bets on? They go, well, uh, our bet is after both of us leave the house at some point. And I said, some point soon, right? They said, well, let's not get into that. But at some point when we leave the house, we're taking bets how long it's going to take for you and mom to get a cat. And I said, (laughs) I said, hopefully somebody has never in the pool because uh, that's, that's the amount of time that's That it's going to be proper. It's it's anybody who wants to win that bet better have never ever is going to have a cat on, on the list. And they go, no, no, you don't understand when when we leave the house you two are going to have nobody to take care of and you're going to you're going to want to fill that need by bringing a cat in we know that it's not going to be a dog because dad's never going to walk the dog but cats are a little bit more self-sufficient so uh it's going to be a cat and we it's, it's just a matter of time and i looked at my wife and my wife looked at me and we took about a half a beat, and then we just started laughing, just laughing hysterically. <laughs> and, and, and and they're like, you think it's not going to happen, but it's going to happen. And, and, and I, said, uh, I said, here's where you're wrong. You seem to think that we relish taking care of other people and before you two came along which was something we chose and we enjoyed and we loved and we've we've uh being a parent was one of the best things that ever happened in our life but before that happened we were people and we had (laughs) we we were people with interests we had people we were people with goals we had people we we were people with who did things with their lives we were we were actual people and once you're gone we've already got plans with what we're doing with each one of those bedrooms they're not going to stay bedrooms. They're going to be turned into other things. We're going to be those people again, and you're going to be welcome to visit those people, but those people are not going to have a cat. And they, both of them, their their chins were on their chest, right? They're like they're wide-eyed, open, agape mouths. What do you mean? And I said, here's the thing. We've loved being parents, but after you're gone, I'm not looking for another ass to wipe. I'm, <laughs> I will... <laughs> I will have very happily (laughs) taken that part of my life and said, that was great, I loved it, but I'm gonna go back to doing my own thing again. You never saw two people more absolutely dumbfounded than those two who cannot get their head around the fact that when we're not taking care of people, we actually have other things on our mind. Oh my God. I
1: can't get past how funny the phrase is. I'm not looking for another
0: ass to wipe. <laughs> that is so
1: funny. I'm not looking for, <laughs> Can I tell you what's funny, That's funny about two things. Yeah. Hey, it's funny because that phrase is just funny and it's, it caught me off guard. Secondly, it's funny because you are such a non-pet owner that you think oh.
0: pet owners are running around wiping their pets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else you're doing. I, I, I'm sure there's other things that happen. There's other, but there's that's... other tidbits I don't need you to know. I don't yeah. know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, It's got to be
1: something. I love the idea that you're not looking for another ass to wipe though. I mean, yeah. I've told my kids, as soon as I ship the last one off to college, I'm moving back to London. I'm going to go live yeah. in London for a while. I, I, right. I want to uh, recapture a little bit of what I had in my 20s. And uh, I'm... I'm moving back to London. That's my goal. Before, uh,
0: before you're too old and degenerated to to enjoy it, yes, yes, you've earned it. You've yeah, earned a little bit of London. I,
1: before I only get my, my vanilla pudding fed to me, I'm going to... I need <laughs> to be able to walk <laughs> around <laughs> and see stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: hope, hopefully your nurse is looking for another ass to wipe brought it around (laughs) ladies and gentlemen he brought it around i I couldn't resist i saw that callback i was not gonna leave it sitting oh my god
1: and speaking of an ass to wipe i'm gonna say hello everybody and welcome to comic lab the show about making comics
0: and making a living from comics i'm brad geiger the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of evil inc and i'm his pal dave kellett cartoonist of drive and sheldon and co-director of the comics documentary stripped And this week's hour of comics advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics,
1: my friend. And let's talk specifically about uh, a bit of news that I think could actually be a bit of a meaty topic for you and I. Oh um, yeah and I, I I wanted specifically to talk about Gannett newspapers or Gannett it's Gannett right it's Gannett Gannett I've Gannett. always
0: pronounced it Gannett yeah, yeah it's
1: like Gary Ganoo you got to say the Gannett all right so um so boy what a dated reference that no was gannous Gary Ganoo is
0: good news with Gary Ganoo
1: two guys I... in their 50s all right anyway so um so uh, the Gannett newspaper chain which uh is is headlined by uh, USA Today and mm-hmm. they own a bunch of re- I would describe them as regional mid-sized papers, kind of like, you know, the Tennessean or whatever it is, you know, big, big for its region papers. Um, They own 200 titles and they have made a move in the last week. And we kind of saw the writing on the wall. They're basically consolidating what nationalized content can be sent to the local or regional newspapers so that they only have to produce 15, 20 pages of local content And in the meantime, they are trying to lower prices on what the national content is being provided to those newspapers. Anyway, Mm -hmm. all of which to say is they have they have taken a new tack that I don't think I have seen before from a newspaper group, Brad. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they are limiting all the comics that those papers could potentially have in them down to 34 comics. And the idea clearly is that they got some kind of price bargaining uh, thing going on where they said, listen, it's going to go into potentially 200 papers. So give us a great price. And clearly, Andrews McNeil and King Features stood up and said, all right, we can give you these things at a bulk price or something. And so what that means, though, is that these 34 comics have basically uh, crossed the finish line like they're they're in they're They're good. They're golden. But everybody else is now effectively cut out of 200 newspapers. In the U.S. Wait, and is it Canada, one
0: hundred. Oh, yeah, you're right. Two hundred. I was thinking one hundred, but I just looked at this piece here. It's two hundred publications. Yeah. Holy cats! So the 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 ones that are on the uh, on the team, uh, the ones that are on the Gannett 34, are Blondie Zitz, Beetle Bailey, Family Circus, Hagger the Horrible, Dennis the Menace, Garfield, Peanuts, for better or worse. Baby blues, pickles, foxtrot, pearls before swine, jump start, Ziggy. Ziggy made the list. Dave. Ziggy. <laughs> Ziggy's on the list. Ziggy's Mar- in. Yeah, Marmaduke, non sequitur, crabgrass. Thank goodness for crabgrass. Uh, Crankshaft, Luann, Baldo, Frank and Ernest, the born loser, BC Wizard of Id, close to home, Argyll sweater, Mother Goose, roses, rose, high and Lois, mutts. Curtis, Shue, and the Lockhorns. Okay, so my immediate reaction to this is, first, first and foremost,
1: Blondie is I, I, it's either 93 or 94 years old yep. this year. It's coming yeah. up on its 100th anniversary as a comic strip. I think it's now had five artists. I'm not sure. Four artists or five artists at this point? Awful lot. An awful lot. Um, but in general, Brad, my reaction to that list is how many of the titles on that list were started before 1980,
0: like over oh 40 God. years ago, you know? Almost all of them. There are very few on that list that are actually uh, launched, let's say, past uh, 2000. After 2000, uh, it, it, syndicates never launched a whole lot of comic strips, but after 2000, even that went down. Yeah. Uh, so let's take 2000 as a, our benchmark. Very few of those were launched after 2000 and a whole, the, the vast majority of them are legacy strips, right? Yes. Like yeah. Beetle Bailey, Blondie, Family Circus, Hager, Dennis the Menace, a, a lot of legacy strips where the, where the original creator has long since passed on and they're being done by either the, the, the family, a studio, People that uh, that are brought in, there's an awful lot of strips that are just uh, is so old and so out. Peanuts is just straight up reruns, just yeah. straight up for, they're not even yeah. doing new peanuts. It's just they're 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 uh, rerunning the archive, which right. is perfectly fine. I think that's very nice, but uh, it crowds out any opportunity to bring in anybody who might have uh, something new to say.
1: Well, listen, I have a billion things I want to talk about, but real quick, just briefly. Yeah. Never having met him. Don't you think Schultz would be a little bit sad that he was taking the spot in 200 papers of a
0: younger cartoonist in this regard? Oh, or do you think he was
1: hard. just egotistical enough? To I be was like, going
0: to say, I, I read that uh, that uh, Schultz biography <laughs> and he sounds like he was a very competitive person. So I would not deign to speak for what he would have thought. <laughs> but it, you know I what? That one might have gone. Speak. Yeah, that one might have gone either way.
1: Yeah, that's actually a good point. But anyway, my yeah. but the large thing that for me, the takeaway here is that and the thing that I really want to talk about is Brad and I have been really preaching from the hilltop for yeah. the last decade and maybe even two decades, Brad, yeah. that syndication is not a viable path anymore. It was well, it's in its heyday. It was it was golf courses and scotch at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, for about. 30 years, you could build an amazing career for about 50 years. You could build a great career, right? For about 60 years, you could build an okay career Mm -hmm. um, Just in terms of widening out the range that we're talking about. Right. Yeah. But in the last 20 years, the writing has been on the wall that this is a dying way of making comics, syndicated comics. And however, up until I read this news about Gannett, I was still thinking, you know what? It's still possible for a few really amazing strips like Wallace the Brave or Crabgrass or Phoebe and her unicorn to Mm -hmm. slip in. Like there's still hope every five years or so for something new to slip in. But I will tell you, Brad, in a way that I'm finding kind of heartbreaking, this news to me feels like there is absolutely zero, zero, zero percent hope now of anybody new breaking into syndicated comics.
0: Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I think you're way more optimistic than I was. I said I, 0%. I, how was that optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, as far as the part where you said that you, for a while there, you thought that somebody could actually have a career, right? right. Anybody, anybody that signed a syndication contract after 2005 or so, I was really questioning what their what their game plan was, right? It doesn't mean that I was right or I was wrong, but I was, I was like, what are you thinking? The writing is on the wall and it has been for a long time. Newspapers are going one direction and right. it's down. And those are the people that you want, that you're basing your career on. They're not going to come back. Right. It's not going to, it's not going to cycle around. It's, it's a, it's a death spiral. And, uh, The only thing that I can say, especially with some of the comics that you mentioned, I think that... The, the the silver lining is that those contacts they made at syndication uh, uh, through the syndicates they'll some of those folks are going to be able to pivot to children's books middle grade graphic novels uh, YA graphic novels stuff like that I think they're going to be able to make that pivot and that pivot is going to be eased by the, the the contacts they made through the syndicates but like you take a lot if let's say your comic isn't necessarily a really good fit for uh for that market and you can't make that pivot Mm -hmm. what happens to you then i i i think it's a real dire forecast
1: yeah no if you're making like a political-esque type comic strip of which like doonesbury-esque type thing canderville that type of thing you Mm -hmm. cannot pivot that to be a young adult audience um, if you're making something like uh, a Wiley Miller's non sequitur, that doesn't pivot to. Yeah. So I take your meaning because yeah. a company uh, that has had a very storied and successful career, Andrews McNeil, they cut yeah. their teeth as a syndicate. But if you've been following what all their creators have been doing for the last 10 years, Stefan Pastis, Mark Tatuli, mm-hmm. all like all those creators have been pivoting to making Y.A., I don't know what they're called as a format. They're sort of readable graphic
0: novels or novels yeah. with illustrations. Or do you know if there's a term for that? Oh, there is, but I'm blanking on it. But it's basically there's it, like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. There's yes. an illustration, then there's prose. There's, there's illustration and there's right. prose. And so we've seen that from Lincoln Pierce. We've seen that
1: from Stefan Pastis. They're all pivoting yeah. because clearly the writing is on the wall for or has been for syndication. But I, I I don't know. I keep coming back to the fact that for me, what's sort of tragic about this is. Um, again, we've been saying this for two decades, but now something about this Gannett 34 really feels like this is it. This is the end. You can't break yeah. in when they say we're only buying these 34 comics. Oh, and by the way, uh, the percentage of these are either dead or legacy or 80 year old comics, you
0: know? Yeah. and And so so the first thing that I did in trying to prep for the show is how many daily newspapers are there? Right. And the fact of the matter is, uh, I can't get a clear answer, right? The, the one source that I was able to find that was kind of accurate said uh, 1,200 in that zone. That was a number from 2018. Oh, well, no. Course, Before the uh, pandemic, yeah. Right. That's pre-pandemic numbers. So you know that it dropped drastically after that, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. And so let's, say, let, let's just say for the sake of argument that it's a nice even 1,000. Just, just so we can do our math right, right, right? That's 20% of the the newspapers, if you take that estimate, mm-hmm. that uh, are available. Mm-hmm. That's a really big chunk. Uh, and, and you've got, as a, as a cartoonist, you've got, it, who didn't make the list, you've got to make your career out of that remaining 80%, knowing full well that you're going to get one here and one over there. These, these folks have 20% sewed right up right it makes it all the more hard to uh, make your career on the remaining 80 percent no and also knowing that if you're not already in those 80 percent, if you're not already on those pages you're probably never going to get there because those folks are terrified of making a change to their comics page yeah i mean
1: and and look at the potential for growth so even if they get into those remaining 800 yeah. Yeah. What does the future hold for newspapers? Well, it's not like they're making more of the greatest generation or boomers. Those no. people are losing their vision or dying. And frankly, Brad, <laughs> yeah. who are age or younger, I'm being sincere and I'm not joking yeah. around, who are age or younger are taking a newspaper anymore? No one, it- that, that audience is not growing is what I'm saying. So that thousand is gonna be 900 and then the year following is gonna be 800 and then the year mm. following, because, all of uh, newspapers are realizing what McDonald's realized 60 years ago is that they're not in the hamburger business. McDonald's is in right. the real estate business. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. newspapers now are no longer in the content business. If you're a venture capitalist or if you're someone that is a buyout king, you're going into newspapers because they are in the real estate business. They right. own facilities, they own great land. They're usually downtown or they have great distribution centers. They could be turned into a warehouse distribution, uh, you know, an Amazon distribution center. So a lot oh, yeah. of those newspapers are basically being stripped for parts because all that's left is the real estate and the facilities that are worth
0: value, you know? Yeah. And and, and you're not wrong about that. I know just from my contacts at the Akron Beacon Journal, uh, the big that the, the person that owns that uh, property now just wants to turn it into a parking garage, wants to tear the building down, which was kind of a cool looking building. Just just All they want to do is turn it into a parking garage because it's just real estate. It's got no other value than people paying to park in, in downtown Akron. Uh, It's, it's, it's really dire. It's really, well, and, and you know, uh, you know how often a lot of us try to find a little bit of humor in a moment of sadness? I know you particularly have that Ziggy cartoon hanging right above your desk that, <laughs> that reminds you of this moment uh, oh, in, why, in comics of, history. Of, of
1: Ziggy making the cut for the that yeah. 34? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Brad, I've had it, <laughs> I've had this one above my desk for decades yeah. uh, because I was... Uh, I've, I knew this moment was coming where Ziggy made the cut in the Gannett thirty four, yeah. and uh, the punchline. I'm going to pull it off the wall here. It says uh, Ziggy saying, "The last time this many young careers were cut down, there was a lightsaber in Anakin's hand." <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ziggy. <laughs> I'm Ziggy.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's tough. I I and and you know we still get it. it let's 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 rewind a little bit because this is really top of mind. I'm doing a talk tomorrow at Villanova University about the business of web comics. They're doing right. a whole series uh at the Villanova library and they're going to be talking about comics and so forth and they asked me to to kick off the event with uh with a, a lecture uh opening up the whole series. Right. And of course I'm like, well yeah, I'd love to talk about the business of comics. Uh, and as I'm preparing that, of I'm going back to this thing that we always talk about owning and controlling your own work, and and the theme is that comics history is over a hundred years, and it has almost never worked out for the creative people that signed contracts. Yep. yep. It is. It is never worked out businesses don't care about you they're not going to take care of you if you do sign a contract for the love of pete have a competent lawyer look that thing over top and bottom but you know it's been a hundred years plus of comics history and people still make the same mistakes and partially i think it's because of pop culture every time you see huh. a, a creative people uh succeeding in pop culture whether it's tv movie video game novel it's always that scene from the muppet show where they come in uh, to orson wells's office oh, and yeah. he offers them the standard rich and famous contract and they all celebrate because now their life is set because right. they signed a contract right. think about that think about how insidious th- that is no one Almost no one who has signed a contract is happy about it. And you've got, uh, you've got, like you pointed out earlier in the show, you've got a couple of little Oasis points. Right. Where, uh, where you had syndicated comics strips uh, from maybe the 50s until let's say the 90s. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, where it was really lucrative. It was very lucrative. You signed one of those contracts and if you played your cards right, you could generate actual wealth. The only problem is all those folks, all those creators kind of had one thing in common. If you take a look at uh, any photos from the NCS from those days, all those creators had one very thing, very very important thing in common, Dave. They looked like you and me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they were all of the same subset. So if you weren't that group of people, then you weren't necessarily included in that. And then other than that, the only Oasis point that I can find otherwise is Image Comics, which was creator owned, right? Robert Kirkman created The Walking Dead for Image, uh, under Image Comics. If he had done that for Marvel, he'd be another name on GoFundMe. Yeah, right yeah yeah so th- what my point that, I, that i'm gonna make in in this speech that i want to bounce past you is it's never been smart to sign the contract almost never no, been no. smart to sign the jack kirby should have never signed the contract yeah. uh, uh simon and and, and schuster should have never or siegel and, <laughs> <Shuster>. <laughs> simon oh, and schuster
1: no simon i know and i'm schuster gonna make that to mistake tomorrow too uh, yeah. but
0: but Uh, you know uh, Siegel and Schuster should have never signed the contract all these people and and yet what's the what's the what's one of the most popular questions we get on comic lab how do I land a webtoons spot. How do I land a Webtoons yeah, contract? Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, a hundred plus years of comics history of this never working out. And they want to know how to get a contract on Webtoons.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it breaks our heart because this same question we were answering 10, 15 years ago on Web Comics Weekly about syndication. How yes. do I how do I get on a syndicate's radar? And we were like, don't do
0: it. Trust <laughs> us, you, this is a dying you medium, you know, don't yeah. do it.
1: Uh, and we and were so- we
0: were getting asked that question even then by people who they themselves did not have a subscription to their local newspaper. Right, right? And they don't understand why the newspaper doesn't have money to buy comic strips. They themselves don't have a subscription. Right,
1: right. And listen, all the parameters of why we why we wave you off of Webtoons or Topastic are different than syndication, but the idea yeah. is the same, is that you will and not end up being happy three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if you go the Webtoons route versus owning and controlling your own route. I mean, look at the differences. Why does Jeff Smith get to afford that beautiful studio in Ohio that I loved to visit that one time? It was yeah. great, beautiful space. It's because he owned Bone. Why do, right. why do uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guys, why do they get to have those great houses? It's because they own TMNT. You know, it's like right. there's they follow the through line. The people that had success in the last hundred years, true success, uh, yeah. where they got to write what they want, they created things that brought them joy and they made a sustainable living decade after decade after decade. It's because they owned and controlled it. Now compare that to the guy who created Wolverine. Well, yeah. I can guarantee you that hasn't been going great despite seven <laughs> movies or whatever it is. You know,
0: the guy that created Ghost Rider, similar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's it's um I know I know that we are a broken record of two yeah. two guys saying, hey, don't put your hand on the hot stove. But if you are offered a contract for somebody for a really give it a think through that if this is the path you want to walk down um, yeah. and then be for God's sakes, have a lawyer review it before you sign it. And that includes Webtoons uh, templated contract where you don't think it's a contract because it's templated. Right. It's still a contract. OK, when it's a ter- they'll they'll dress it up as a terms of, of, of engagement or something else. I don't remember what their phrase yeah. was. Uh, it is a contract and read why it has the word perpetuity in there uh, right. and, and why that might limit what you can do do in terms of being able to sell it on to other third parties five years from now,
0: 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And and by the way, through the magic of technology, I can actually hear, Dave, the people who are listening to this podcast right now. I don't know that you I don't know whether you've got that button hit, but I've got that button. And what they're saying is, but Brad and Dave, Webtoons is where all the comics readers are. So that's where I need to be. Yeah, that's what they're saying. I can hear them right now. And to which I say to you, you shouldn't be looking for comics readers. You should be looking for the readers who are into your kind of story, your kind of theme, your kind of content, your your kind of humor. You're not looking for comics readers. And you, to bring McDonald's back just for a second, you don't see McDonald's going out and saying, hey, do you like hamburgers? You never see that they'll talk about maybe the quality of beef. They'll, they'll talk about hamburgers, uh, 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 tangentially, but you know what they will say, are you hungry? Right. Or they'll say right. this, are you in a hurry for lunch or back, uh, uh, 10 years ago or so when they were leaning into this other part of their business, they said, do you have small kids? and You don't want to break the bank, but you also don't want to cook tonight. That was their pitch. You never saw McDonald's saying, Do you like hamburgers? It wasn't about the hamburger in the same way. You're not looking for comics readers. And if you and again, as I've said a hundred times, if you think that you're going to survive on webtoons, if you're not doing a romance-based uh anime style drawn uh comic, then you're just not looking at what's on offer there, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh you are looking for readers you're looking for people who like your kind of stuff and it means that unfortunately webtoons is the lazy answer right it's like it well I'm, it I do a comic. La- I'm glad you said it that way yes it is yes, the lazy it's answer the la- yes because because the other thing they're saying is well it, how do i do that well that's your nut to crack you gotta figure that out you gotta figure out so many con i, I having done this so many times. If you ask your garden variety cartoonist what their theme is, what their, if you ask them who their core demographic audience member is, they don't know because they've never thought about it. Well, that's the first thing you've got to think about before you can figure out where to find these people that are going to be the core of your audience. Right, right. Uh, and I can hear now, I've unmuted
1: my button, now I can oh, hear the good, audience. Good. And, they're, and they're saying, Dave and Brad, yeah, but you're not looking at the success of Laura Olympus, New York Times bestseller, yeah. uh, book after book after book. That's great. Remember Brad's metaphor of the carnival teddy bear that they send yeah. out to, to make it seem like everyone's going to have the great uh, success at the carnival. Right. Yeah. Brad, you want to just refresh everybody what that metaphor was?
0: Oh, that well, uh, that was when a carnival gives uh, one person a large teddy bear they can walk around with so that other people can think they can win the big bear, too. It's not a perfect metaphor because it makes it sound like Rachel didn't earn her success.
1: And I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is it's the one that people constantly hold up. Right. Right. But you have to ask yourself, will your title perfectly match, as Brad said, that Webtoon audience to find that growth? That's number one. Two, would you rather go with a different publisher than Webtoons' in-house publishing house? Guess what? They have first right of refusal if you sign that contract, if you read the terms. Or would you like to bring that show to Netflix or Amazon or Apple six years from now? Guess what? You don't have sole ownership anymore because you signed that Webtoons contract. So it makes it real hard to sell that property down the road. What I'm getting at here is that it's, it's the lazy route because it gives you instant access on Webtoons to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of readers you might not instantly be able to reach, right? But you have to ask yourself, what is the long term problems that that will come from signing that Webtoons contract in the same way, like Brad, if I signed, if I brought my new character Wolverine to Marvel in the 70s, it's getting in front of millions of people instantly. Right. right? But what are my long term problems with bringing my character Wolverine to those millions of people? Well, I don't get any cut of the film. I don't get any cut of the continuing and residual rights. You see what I'm saying here in terms of comparison is, yes, you can get in front of instantly hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people on Webtoons. Think about what the long term repercussions are for your career when you do that and when you sign that Webtoons contract. Anyway, this is a long walk from syndication, but all of which is to say, God damn it, own and control your career.
0: (laughs) No, it's actually not webtoons is just an online syndicate yeah yeah right i i was I, again i was i was pre- pre- preparing this speech and so i did history and i said first we started out with keen spot i went forward in history and i got to webtoons webtoons is just what keen spot used to be with a new coat of paint and and a lot more and a much uh, better slick, interface yeah right? yeah. Uh, it's 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 an online syndicate is is actually what it is it's it's yeah. not any different than that
1: yeah i mean the yeah the nomenclature we could get into arguments about that but i see what your point is is that it it gathers together and offers up a a package of comics um anyway though i also just want to say brad that um i'm now how old am i i'm 49 and i just want to say that comic strips syndicated comic strips in newspapers is what fired my heart to want to become a cartoonist yeah and so it's and and I also love comics so much that I went on and did two master's degrees in the history of comics. So both as the 10 year old in me and the academic in me and as the professional who loves my peers in the industry, I'm just sad that syndication has it's it's the final nail in the coffin. Really, at this point, I mean, really, the only thing that's left is diminishing value in the industry, which is literally being sold off and stripped for parts. Um, around the country. we You said to me earlier on the phone, Brad, we'd lose like two newspapers a week. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Or, yeah. Roughly? Well, I read that. I, now, that included alt news weeklies and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was it was a jaw dropping no, uh, amount of newspapers that just go out of business regularly. Right. Right. And
1: and so broadly speaking, I just
0: want to say it's not I don't approach this with
1: joy or with smug satisfaction or schadenfreude. No. In fact, it's the opposite. I am sad because I loved that format. I loved that genre. I loved that outlet of comic strip cartooning. Um, and I I do mourn the fact that it's probably in the last decade of its life um, going forward. Yeah. And um, I just want to say to all my, our peers in newspaper cartooning, I am sad and I'm sorry about this. Um, I, I take no joy in this. I I will miss that specific style of newspaper comic strip i will miss the the tone that it often had i will miss the great names that it produced over the last hundred years um i don't know there's no there's no good way to button that up i'm just sad about it nope i think that's i think that says it all you
0: and me both Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you
1: do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers.
0: And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics.
1: And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional
0: cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning.
1: And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries.
0: Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words.
0: That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's
1: talk comics.
0: Dave, I've got an update on Mastodon, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. the, and, and I'm afraid the uh, the update is Mastodon still ain't it. Uh, this came in from uh, the Mastodon instance that I signed up for originally, okay. because it was one of the few that was catering to, to artists. And I'm just going to read it uh, verbatim. It said... Uh, I just got an update I just got an email saying that we are just over our database limit. Normally, I would just up the hosting plan for the next little bit per month, but the bad news is is that the next tier for hosting is $190 a month. As of right now, with a few more contributions, we will hopefully be able to afford October's hosting. After that, though, we will need to consider a more robust contribution system. Uh, I'm telling you this is this I, I this is a huge indication that uh I, you should not be putting any amount of time in my opinion behind mastodon i've i've been doing all of them uh because at this point uh if i'm gonna post to two i might as well have them all up on my uh, all the tabs open on my desktop and i just post all of them at the same time so i'm posting on twitter and then i'm posting on threads on blue sky on mastodon i've even i've experimented a little bit with Hive and uh oh God, what's the other one? Uh but the but the three newcomers that are kind of front runners. Mm-hmm. Uh Mastodon gives me by far the least amount of engagement, the least amount of return on investment for any post that I make, whether it's an art post, a conversation starter, uh a, a, a commercial, creative, any right. of the four C's the rock bottom amount of engagement and, uh, and 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 they want me to pay for it too. Holy cats, I'm telling you, Mastodon ain't it. Yeah, it's um I mean, listen, as as a
1: society, let's talk about this for a second. Like all of us hate corporate control of yeah. social media. We all agree that there's a million things that are wrong about that in terms of when it's profit driven. Mm-hmm. The only two other options are either making a social media a form of a pu- public utility, where somehow um, uh, a, a shared tax base is funding um, uh, a, a communication platform, and in the U.S. that probably ain't going to happen. You could say, well, th- it sort of happened with AT and T back in the day. Now nah, it wasn't really; it was it was federally controlled, but it was still private money that was running AT and T. Uh, And so we can all just agree just constitutionally that won't work in the U.S. to have government funded. Uh, And so the only other option is a sort of non profity type structure like a Wikipedia or Mm -hmm. a Mastodon. um, Or, you know, I'm trying to think of other, you know, shared, distributed, funded. um, Wikipedia is the best one that comes to mind. And yes, it could can potentially happen. But right now, it sort of feels like community theater that's struggling for money all the time. It's like, guys, if we just get 100 more dollars, we can have costumes this year. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And I just I don't know how it transitions from the Mastodon that we see now into a slightly more centralized a la Wikipedia type funded format. That doesn't yeah. feel so local that it's like, guys, we need three dollars or we lose all of our posts. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Brad? I mean, what
0: do you see the route for a Mastodon type system? Oh, I, I I don't think it works. I don't think it, I I I, <laughs> I don't see any route. I I do not see this working. Uh, it just because so here's the deal: just because Twitter is bad does not make Mastodon good. Right. I mean, we all agree. Twitter is yeah. horrible. Oh yeah. We That's a really good Facebook is terrible. We all agree. Instagram is terrible. And we agree that given enough time, blue sky and threads is going to be equally terrible, right. Right? They, right? They all trend towards the same place. Uh, that does not mean that Mastodon is good because somewhere in between there, I need to be able to reach potential readers. Right. I need to be able to engage right and 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 mastodon is not delivering engagement at all by the way it's not like blue sky and uh threads is blowing them out of the water because they're not (laughs) it's not like i'm doing great on blue sky or threads uh but i'm at least getting an indication that somebody's on the other side Yeah, Yeah. yeah Uh, a, a Twitter, unfortunately, is still my best engagement. By I know, far. me too.
1: Although it's dwindling, but yes, I agree it's, with you. It's, it's still yeah, my best it's, engagement. It's, it's
0: it's definitely suffering, but uh, but still, you can't compare the two. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, I I just don't see. It's getting to the point where it's literally, I question whether I even want to keep that tab open on my browser. And when you think about it, it like if I'm gonna click the button two times it's not much more to click the button three times yeah i mean you're literally talking about the difference between click click and click 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 and it's literally not worth the return on investment to do the third click
1: yeah, I mean, at some point, it's it's a form of sunk cost fallacy for Brad, which is like he's got to say, look, I've, I've given six months into Mastodon. It doesn't yeah. mean I have to keep going. I, I it, This is not returning. And like Brad, yeah. I just want to echo. I'm finding at least what I would describe as a heartbeat on Blue Sky and threads. Yeah. There's there's responses. There's retweets or reposts or however or rethreads however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Um and um i'm getting some traction i have no way of knowing with either one if they are monetizable yet Mm -hmm. in the sense that i knew in the past that i could drive twitter people to kickstarter or to patreon and i know generally speaking that i have not yet found a way to drive instagram users to patreon or kickstarter because it's such a damn walled garden um even with story links uh I I have to say, I'm seeing a heartbeat with threads and with Blue Sky. I don't yet know if it's monetizable. It feels like it will be, question
0: mark, broadly speaking, question mark. What do you think about that, Brad? Uh, I, I, I think anything's possible and and it might be <laughs> like that's I've, the most unhelpful. I think anything's possible. <laughs> no, I, I really do think and I, I brought this up a few episodes ago, but I really do think that we're nearing the end of social media in general. Mm. I, again, because uh, threads was everything we wanted and then we got it and we realized we didn't want it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's an indication to me that we are coming to the end of social media in, or the end of this phase of the web right. and that we're headed towards something else or something new. And we're not going to know that we wanted it until we see it. And and then it's going to be this is all I ever wanted, you know. So I, I, I don't think it's going to be any of those. I'm, we're literally treading water until somebody unveils this next big thing that's going to replace it. Uh, and I wish I knew what that was. If I, if I, if, if, if I knew what it was, I'd start investing and in making it right now. But we're really at a crossroads in terms of web publishing. And uh, I, I think social media is dwindling. I think we're over it. I think I think everything that social media promised us has turned out to be, uh, you know, they they've drained every bit of that out of it in in, in favor of profits. And I, I think there's uh, we're, we're at a crossroads where we're, we're trying to figure out what the next thing is.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, 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 I like the phrase that you use that we're treading water. That very much feels like when I'm retweeting the same comic on Blue Sky on threads yeah. on Instagram, yeah. on Twitter and on Reddit. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I, 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 I don't feel like, oh, it's things are getting better. You know what I mean? I, no. I, well, I, there is a small modicum of that with Blue Sky and with threads that, oh, maybe there's still growth. Maybe I we yeah. haven't reached the ceiling yet, but with Reddit and Twitter and Instagram, I feel like I know what the results of this are going to be, you yeah. know, because like even, even Reddit, which I love because it allows yeah. for links out and stuff. And, I, and, and has a very visceral and strong response when you post to Reddit, if you find a certain success, mm-hmm. even there, you can find the link that you've posted way vote, downvote, not downvoted, but just not upvoted. Like people don't give a shit, you know? So yeah.
0: uh, not, not only don't give a shit, but they actively dislike it. Like yeah. I would take, I would take ambivalence. Ambivalence would be great. This is active, uh, like negative emotions. When you post a link, it, it's against the ongoing cultural climate of Reddit. Yeah, and it's very much cats. like
1: it's very much eighteen-year-old guy energy of like, I'm not. What are you a corporate chill? Yeah. What are you doing linking yeah. out? And you're like, darn it, come on! I'm just an artist trying to share my yeah. stuff. But it's, it's uh, how
0: it gets done. Yeah, it's how yeah. I'm able to come back and do it tomorrow. Well,
1: Brad, let's jump into our next question. And this comes in over at patreon.com slash comic lab from KVH and KVH writes, so with the talk you have had about the importance of a website and we have, why haven't you two made a website for comic lab? You each Hmm. have had your own website, of course, and you direct people to download from various sources and to leave reviews. But how come no base site that at least tells people who you are, what you do and what you can do for them? Or what they can do for you, i.e. Patreon and Comic Lab merch. It looks like you have the domain ComicLabPodcast.com as a redirect. But, Brad, why
0: no website? <laughs> That's a great question. It's a great question. I've got a great answer. We're not podcasters. Oh. We're cartoonists. That's
1: not what I expected you to say. All right, yeah, keep going. No.
0: We're not podcasters. We're cartoonists. And all of those things that you said are absolutely right. Those are all things that we should do if we were podcasters, but I'm running a full-time career, uh, with, with my stuff. Dave is running a full-time career as a cartoonist with his stuff. And for either one of we we've already got what we do so far. We have a division of labor. I do certain things. Dave does certain things. Uh, and we are at our limit we're at maximum and if, yeah, yeah if we were to take on more stuff either one of us we would have to do less stuff for our actual businesses and that's what i really want to talk about here because it sounds like it's a flippant answer well i'm not a podcaster <laughs> no it's actually existential for what we do Ooh, what do you one mean one of the reasons one of the reasons that dave and i have been able to survive this long is that we know what we are and we know what we're not. Oh,
1: I see what you mean. Yeah. You're saying what we are is cartoonists. As mm-hmm. much as we love the podcast, as much as we enjoy yeah. doing it, as much as, but the focus has to be
0: and always will be on our cartooning. You're right. To, to to a vicious degree, to a brutal degree, we have to make those decisions, right? I I cannot allow myself to get in the weeds on, on uh, doing Comic Lab because I start to fall behind on my work for Evil Ink and all the other stuff that I do. I literally cannot allow myself to get distracted by that. All of these things are absolutely right, uh, but I'm not going to take the time to do them. I'm not going to ask you to do them right. because... We're not podcasters. The reason we do the podcast is very simple. We love sharing the information. We love talking to each other. We love joking around. Uh, it has to, uh, uh, generate a certain amount of income or else. And listen, without the Patreon, without the, the, the amount of money that we make on the Patreon, without that, we couldn't even justify doing this much right yeah it would that's be, true it would be this was a good idea but uh, it's not working out i'm going to go do something else now it, it it but uh if we were to try to put more into that Uh, we would be cutting our own throat. Now, if I go out next Wednesday and get my right arm chopped off in a horrible traffic accident, you will see so much difference by the following Thursday. You're going to see a comic lab website. You're going to see comic (laughs) lab merchandise. You're going to see a comic lab Kickstarter. You're going to see, uh, invite us to sing at your wedding. You're going to see so much comic lab podcast stuff because, uh, I I'll have to make one hell of a pivot right. to to right. to make a living, right? right. Because then I'm going to have to do that.
1: And uh, on that same note, I love this idea. You would see Brad within 6 months have a new how-to comics book being written. You yep. would see Brad going from teaching comics one day a week at the university level to now teaching four maybe five days a week at the university level because yep. he would no longer be a cartoonist. He would have to pivot to all the side hustles that are yeah. now the main hustle. Like they've got they've got a, and that's what that that's That's what he's getting at with this idea of a a, a lack of a website for Comic Lab is that we have to always remember not to be uh, distracted by the shiny object. Shiny objects are fun. Shiny objects can spur creativity. But if you put too much emphasis on the shiny object, the return on investment doesn't necessarily grow. And in the meantime, the thing that the bacon of what you want to be, the comic uh, creator, that suffers we've seen that again and again for different creators yeah
0: so so dave why don't we hire somebody to do the website why don't we hire somebody to do all of this stuff well that's also a very brutal answer and i'll 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 take the hit i'll I'll talk i i do not represent dave i only represent me if i'm gonna hire somebody for ten dollars they better generate twenty dollars worth of uh worth because it has to be that way. And if that sounds very Marxist about uh, exploitation of labor, let's call it what it is. That's exactly what it is. If I'm going to hire somebody for $10, they've got to generate 20. And that's not going to happen with a website, right? That's not going to happen with any of this stuff, uh, because I know what the return on investment is going to be on that. So why don't we hire somebody to do it? because it's not going to be a, a worthwhile investment for us to do right. it until my arm gets chopped off and then you're gonna see me investing in a whole lot of things that I didn't invest in last year <laughs> it's and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because like I said at the top of the topic it's an existential question yeah right it it's it defines how you're able to do this thing that we're talking about being well, everything we talk about on this show means running a small business right, right? we just right. Got Got done spending a half hour telling you don't sign the contract unless you really know what you're getting into unless you can really call your shot be very wary of the contract be very wary of signing on the dotted line uh that means running a small business and running a small business means knowing what business you're in and what business you're not in right and i am in the business
1: of drawing sequential art in a contained way that i can produce on a regular basis entertain a crowd make a make a a living both through patreon through kickstarter through book sales through the through merch right that is my core business and so if i start saying to myself oh well brad i gotta start doing voiceover for comics or i gotta start animating my comics or i've got to start uh doing live blogs uh or video blogs about how i create my comics all well and good all fun to do individually they are all each one of them a shiny object and if you allow them they will distract you from the core task of
0: your business well and and let's i mean i don't know how much you want to talk about this so we so you came really close dave you took a huge risk when you did the documentary stripped
1: oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah
0: came really close to derailing your career with that didn't you to be fair
1: let's let me be let me put flip over all the cards so in the last year of making stripped which is a four-year project. Um, and for those not familiar, this was a documentary we did about comic strips, about the death of newspapers and the rise of, of digital comics. It took four years for Fred and I to make it. Um, we eventually sold it on to Netflix for three years and we had two Kickstarters for it and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, um, in that fourth year, Brad, the editing became so intense, both because yeah. of the process of editing is surprisingly labor intensive um, and then also all the legal clearances we had to get for all the, the songs, the images, the materials, right? All the, And we were doing a lot of that along the way of the four years. Still, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross at the end of a film. Um, all of that meant I had to step away. And I think you were this is what you're referring to. I had to step yeah. away from cartooning for six to nine months there in that fourth year of the film production. And... Uh, everybody was very nice about it. No one one emailed me and said, like, how dare you pause drive or how dare you stop working on Sheldon? They all got that this was a labor of love and I really wanted to finish this film. But my cartooning career, my core career of what I do for a living, it took a hit because I stepped away for six to nine months. At that point in my career, Brad, I don't do this anymore, but at that point, Uh, I was producing two Sheldon books a year, like clockwork. I would do one for Christmas sales and one for San Diego Comic-Con sales in summer. So every six months I had a book, roughly about 120 pages, black and white Sheldon book. Um, And if I didn't produce those, not only did it take a hit in the initial sales, there was a hit to my long tail of sales, you know, of Mm -hmm. of sales six months from now, nine months from now, two years from now. So not having two books at that point in my career was a big hit. And then not even to mention all the audience that drifted away with good reason. I wasn't making yeah. anything. They drifted away. I, it took me a couple of years to claw back. What was that audience?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's the lesson that I want to talk about. And that is that. If you're gonna do this, you really do have to be focused. I, I, I had the same thing, and 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 it's right there on the episodes. You can go back and listen to me how absolutely talking about the teddy bear, how absolutely enamored I was with TikTok. There was yeah. a couple months that yeah. I was standing there in my uh, studio like a dummy making these TikTok videos because I was so sure that I was going to be able to work that into something, and 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 figure something out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I took a look at what the effect that that had on, on my business. And it's like, Hey, sit back down and get back to drawing. You're not, this is something I definitely could do. I absolutely know how I could, I could make that work, but I would have to stop doing comics, take that hit and build it all the way back up from square one right and it just wouldn't be worth it it's 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 the the reason we don't know i'm sorry the reason we don't have a comic lab website is because we know who we are and we know what we do and that has been uh and uh the one of the main things that's been allowed us to keep doing what we do do yeah and we like like brad said we will get distracted
1: from time to time Mm -hmm. We will do our TikToks. We will make a film. We will try to do way too fancy a Kickstarter video in my case. Sometimes I spend way too much time on those. You know, Uh, we get distracted, but reverting to the center we try to always 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 remember we are cartoonists we make comics we make comic strips we make comic books Um, our readers love us for that there's it's frequent it's consistent and it's significant when our updates happen right and if any shiny object keeps us from frequent consistent significant then it's got to be cut and in this case the podcast is fun to do it takes a couple hours out of both of our schedules a week Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but anything more than that, it can't be justified. It really can't. It really can't. No, it can't. So, Dave, I've got one last question for us to slide in before we run out of time. This one comes in from Mon, who says, uh, let's say you put out a Kickstarter for the first book of a project and it flopped. Oh, well, it happens. It's a learning experience, as you guys always say. What I want to know is, do you ever redo that same Kickstarter, but with changes made based on the issues and errors from last time? Or would one's next Kickstarter project have to be a different book in the series? Ooh,
1: what an interesting question. So we have always said Kickstarter um, is the ultimate testing ground. And if and if the if. You know, there's no editor saying that, you know, this is not good. There's no gatekeeper keeping you from doing it. But yeah. if the public doesn't like it, you have to take that as a learning moment. Right. But there are moments yeah. where you realize at the end of a 30 day Kickstarter, oh, I see what I did wrong. Right. Yeah. So there's that potential, like either your price points were wrong, either the offerings were too or not slick enough or, you know, whatever that might be. So you, you can take that into consideration, but I think you also have to take into consideration that the fundamental um, deciding factor of whether a Kickstarter succeeds or it doesn't succeed is you have a significantly large enough body of readership such that a tiny sliver of that readership, you can convince to back your Kickstarter, join your Patreon, whatever you want to do for distributed fundraising. And you have to ask yourself at the core, core question is, has my audience significantly grown such that the sliver that I could convince mm-hmm. um, has grown as well? That's option one or option two is, okay, it hasn't grown at all, but was my power of convincing, was, was yeah. my arguments made, my products offered, my price points offered, have those changed significantly enough such that that exact same body of readership, mm-hmm. I can now convince a slightly larger sliver to back yeah. the second or new or relaunched Kickstarter. I think those are the only
0: two main considerations. Brad, what do you think in terms of, of relaunching a Kickstarter? Well, you actually made me rethink my answer because when I when I saw this question come across, my knee-jerk response was, well, of course you relaunched the Kickstarter for the same book. It didn't happen the first time, but you you learn, you grow, you apply what you learned, and you go you come right back with that same book, right? Right. Uh but your answer is better. And so I'm gonna change to your answer because what you're at what you're actually saying, if I can truncate it a little bit, sure is what matters is why the Kickstarter failed, right? You yeah. can't just say, you can't just say, you know, like Brad Geiger knee-jerk response, well, of course, you're gonna come back with the same book. The the question you gotta ask yourself is why did the Kickstarter fail? Now, if it was because your audience wasn't there yet, then, uh, then if you brought the audience back up, then yes, you come back with the same book. If you haven't made significant, uh, uh, changes in that, then maybe you, your next Kickstarter is going to have to be for a different project altogether because the audience just wasn't there. You, you didn't, you didn't generate the audience that you're going to need. Uh, however, On the other hand, let's say that you just, you can now see. And from the feedback you got a whole lot of your tears was just screwed up. You just didn't set the tears right. Uh, You see this every now and again, we always say, walk up the ladder, right? You got to entice the person to go up the ladder from $10 to 20, from 20 to 30, from 30 to 50, from 50 to 75. Right. And you see, I've seen some Kickstarters that were like $10. And then the next step was a hundred dollars. And it's like, you're getting nobody, you're, <laughs> nobody, no, you're going to get a whole bunch of $10 pledges. Nobody's going to go ten to Hey, if I'm in for $10, I'm in for a hundred dollars. You can either go a Hyundai Elantra or you can go the new Rolls Royce silver Sable. Yeah, Which one would you yeah. like? You know? And it's like, no, okay. Your tears were screwed up. You weren't thinking you, that is something that you got to rethink your tears and then come back with the same thing, but with, uh, with a different uh, pricing strategy and a different strategy of, of, uh, rewards in general but i think before you can just give an answer to this question you've got to ask yourself a bigger question why did the kickstarter fail
1: yeah yeah no and i'm really glad that you i sometimes have the tendency to be too long in the tooth and i appreciated that you truncated it down to why did it fail that's just such yeah. an, a simpler way to look at this why did it fail is it because your audience is not large enough very possible that's very very mm-hmm. possible Uh, Why did it fail? Was it because your price points were wrong? Also very possible, especially for a first time Kickstarter. Why did it fail? Because the the uh, the uh, the tiers or the materials or the merchandise weren't that uh, exciting. Sure. Also possible. Now, the fourth one I'm about to say is the most painful one and the one you really have to think about. Why did it fail? Because the project is not really enticing to people. Right. That's the one you got to think about. Yeah. Because we always say um, Kickstarter is where the rubber hits the road. You know, you might have 500,000 people to follow you on Instagram. If you can't translate those people into physically backing your project with money, whether it's through yeah. Patreon or Kickstarter, then it's just a passing interest to them on their social media feed. It's not, uh, it's not really um, actionable as a readership. Yeah. and for uh, And then, you know, the flip side of that is, even if there's there's not five hundred thousand people. Say you've got five thousand people on Instagram. It it just might not be that good of a of a book or a project or a thing or right. you know this or that. We all and and none of that is a is a permanent knock on you as a cartoonist. We've all had projects, myself included, that that we thought were great. Well book yeah. that I was super proud of did moderately well on Kickstarter, which Uh, is a version for me 20 years in was a bit of a hit i was like i guess guess people didn't really like (laughs) that one you know what
0: happened yeah i
1: shouldn't be doing moderately great at this point yeah Yeah, yeah. well yeah and so i i took that for the feedback which that it was which was people didn't really want that book from me or that thing from me you know and so you roll it into your next five years of output um so we always say the Kickstarter is a is an immediate and and real world feedback on what's working with your project. So that's often the most painful feedback to get is oh this might not be working, and yeah. so in that regard you that's sort of a, having to look inward and having a, a talk with yourself about what's working, what's not. Yeah. But Brad, any any last minute thoughts on that?
0: Well, I I think I think it's it's important for each of us to have a, a little. It, it, at different points during our career, have that serious, objective look in the mirror and talk uh, some real facts, right? In fact, I just, I have got a mirror right here and the person in my mirror says it's time for me to say that you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics.
1: I heard the change in tone of voice and I want everybody to know that my voice became like a little pissant because it was like, I see you, I see the change in tone. Uh, and your host have been my ever delightful friend, Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com
0: and the creator of Evil Inc at Evil comic.com and my good friend Dave Kellett, the co-director of the comics documentary Stripped, and the cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com.
1: And you know what? Just, just something to think about. Uh, I, since we were talking about Stripped today, I should mention that just this week, Brad, or not Brad and I, Fred and I, my co-director on Stripped and I, we are finally winding down the S-Corporation that we incorporated in California to run and control that film. So it had a, it had a wonderful seven or eight year lifespan, and now now that corporation, that project, is going to bed, and I thank Stripped for what it, it's like. Marie Kondo. I'm thanking it for what it gave me, and I'm, yeah. I'm moving on from it. Uh, and uh, it's a, it's sort of a bittersweet feeling. Anyway, yeah. um, the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net, and this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over
0: at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode like this one. This one was on Apple Podcasts, uh, Dave. It came in from Nuke30 Studio, who says, love it. Fairly new to the podcast, and I am loving it so far. Brad and Dave are a blast to listen to, even when they go off on tangents. <laughs> What do you mean, us <laughs> tangents? <laughs> We're always very focused around here. Uh, going back to the quote, so far it has been a very informing and inspiring podcast for me, and I hope they never stop. Thanks to Comic Lab, I feel I have been inspired enough to start working on a webcomic again. So far, I have made the most progress on a project I ever have. And a large part of that has been thanks to listening to Comic Lab. Keep up the amazing work.
1: Ah, that, that, I gotta tell you, that means the world to us. Thank you for those kind words. And if you have kind words, do share them over at ApplePodcast.com or ApplePodcast.com, that's not the link. (laughs) I don't know what the (laughs) link is. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Uh, Or on Spotify, uh, uh, the five-star review, very appreciated. And on that note, I will say Comic Lab is made possible by your support over at Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So I'll go ahead and say that like Ziggy, who's reporting in, saying. I can't believe I made the Gannett dream team. The only dream I normally have is sleep paralysis. Mm, 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 I'm ziggy. I'm ziggy.
0: <laughs> You know, Dave, it just so happens I still have that Ziggy that you sent me for my uh, uh, First Holy Communion. And it goes like this. "Eh, I'm surprised I made the cut. Even my memory foam mattress forgets me. (laughs) I'm Ziggy.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it. That's such a great joke. Even my memory foam mattress forgets me.
0: Uh.